Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, I'm Heather Madden, Director of Advocacy Projects at the Independent Women's Voice and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with Charlotte Hayes, Director of Cultural Programs at the Independent Women's Forum. Today, we're going to be discussing the Women's March on Washington coming up on January 21st the day after Donald Trump's inauguration. It's a big topic of discussion right now with tens of thousands of women expected to march this Saturday. Charlotte, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Heather. This is an interesting topic. It sure is. You know, Charlotte, I'm looking at the mission statement on the Women's March website right now, um, which is womensmarch.com. And it talks about how vibrant and diverse communities are the strength of our country. And then if you read on a little bit more, uh, the website goes on to argue that the rhetoric of the past election cycle has insulted, demonized, and threatened many of us. Can you flesh this out for us a little bit? What exactly is it that the leaders of the Women's March say that they stand for is? Yeah, I'll try to flesh it out. Look, Heather, they claim to stand for all women, uh, but clearly they don't. And here's why we know that. Four out of ten women in the United States voted for Donald Trump in the last election. Yes, Heather, that's a minority. The gender gap by which women vote more for the Democrat than the Republican prevailed. It's been in place since 1972. It's still with us. Um, but four in, in ten is a hefty portion of women uh, they don't stand for. And if you look at the roster of people who will be leading this march, it's really an amalgamation of activists on the left and fashion and celebrity figures. Often these are the very same people, fashion, celebrity, activism of the left. Harry Belafonte, not a woman, of course, but the last time I checked, anti-American, so I guess that's just as good. And Gloria Steinem are honorary co-chairs. Um, Jessica Chastain, Chelsea Handler, America Ferrara, and, of course, Amy Schumer will be there. You know, uh, Heather, these are just your ordinary middle-class American housewives. You meet at the checkout line at the grocery store. Not. <laughs> Planned Parenthood is involved. Uh, the March has put out a statement pro uh, pro supporting what they call reproductive rights. As you know, IWF doesn't take a, take a stand on abortion, but we really don't think taxpayer money should go to Planned Parenthood. Well, they're going to be there, and uh, I'm sure they'll be talking up the fact that they need a lot of government support while they're there. So you have a lot of people who've worked closely with the Obama administration, if you look at the cast of characters uh, for their co-chairs and leaders. Um, and these people are mostly ex represent extreme positions on the left. They view women as victims uh, in need of more gov government support and, re and, and regulation. Now, it's interesting. I know a lot of people who are coming to this. I'm from the Deep South, and I know people from New Orleans and Arkansas who are coming. Um, and these are dear friends, but they're people who, who like to identify with uh, the coastal elite. So really, this march is, is, is a, an ideological statement and a fashion statement. And I, I have to be amused. I saw today that Ann Hand, who is a jewelry designer and a stalwart of the um, Washington establishment, her husband was in the Lyndon Johnson administration, well, she's getting a lot of blowback uh, because she's selling inaugural jewelry for, for this year. Um, so that's how open-minded they are. That's, that's how they represent all women, by, by giving blowback to somebody who's selling her jewelry for the inauguration. Um, I just want to say something about the election cycle and the rhetoric. Yeah, it was pretty rough. 
Um, I was horrified by some of the things Trump said. I was particularly horrified by the famous groping tape. But look, uh, Heather, conservatives have been talked about as haters and worse for the last eight years. Did anybody stand up and say, don't talk about us this way on the left? No. Um, And in a way, I have to wonder if Trump wasn't the only Republican who who could have won. John McCain and Mitt Romney ran gentlemanly campaigns against Obama. They lost. Um, Trump's rhetoric wasn't any harsher than the left's rhetoric, um, and it might have been necessary to win. Uh, and, and, and was he really nasty than, than uh, we've, we've been uh, treated, nastier than liberals have treated us the last, last eight years? I don't think so. So buck up. Uh, prepare for the tweets, lefties. Oh, sure. And, you know, I think that there were, you know, many women, myself included, that, uh, of course, didn't approve of every comment that uh, Donald Trump made about women. Um, But, you know, so many of these women were also concerned about the direction that our country was heading. Um, You know, getting back to what the march claims to stand for versus what it actually represents, what's interesting is that the activity on the Women's March Facebook page clearly contradicts their own mission statement that's on their website. Uh, White women, for example, have been told that they need to talk less and listen more and to check their privilege if they're going to march. Um, is the march really a place for all women, Charlotte? And if not, then who is welcome to attend? This is not a place for all women. Conservative women um, are always wanting to have a discussion with our counterparts on the left. This is a really good impulse on our part. Uh, we're likely to try to get them to be on our panels and to come to our events. Um, we often uh, ask women from the left to speak at IWF events. We've had Kim Gandy, who was the former president of NOW. Um, but this march is not a dialogue. It's a monologue. Yeah, it uses terms such as white privilege, uh, which comes from, from sort of the left-wing academia of today. Um, so let me ask, answer your question uh, uh with a few questions of my own, what do you think would happen if a pro-Trump woman showed up and wanted to dialogue with these marchers? Okay, what if a pro-life woman asked Planned Parenthood women to come and engage in a serious discussion during the march? Oh, and do you think Kellyanne uh, Conroy would be welcome at this march? And I just want to go back and, and talk about something you just mentioned, uh, uh, Heather, because it's really important, and that's uh, some of the things Donald Trump said about women. I really was horrified and appalled. But you know what? Uh, The left, the entertainment media complex, uh, and the rap establishment engage in just terrible, vulgar statements about women, and somehow that's okay and Trump's statements were not. I'm not condoning any anti-woman statements from anybody. I'm just saying that it's not uh, something... That, that that we should overlook on the left. They make terrible statements about women and very sexualized lyrics to a lot of music. Well, sure. I think that's a, that's a good point, Charlotte. And, you know, um, I think it's safe to assume that the women that you mentioned uh, will, would certainly not be welcomed uh, with open arms to this march, um, including Kellyanne Conway, despite being <laughs> the first woman to run a successful presidential campaign. She broke campaign, the glass ceiling, didn't she? Right. <laughs> you think that's something that, that feminists, even leftist feminists, um, well, leftist feminists in particular, you know, would celebrate. Um, you know, uh, Carrie Lucas, the managing director at the Independent Women's Forum, recently wrote two articles about the Women's March. 
Um, one's an acculturated and the other is in the National Review. And she talks about how the march only speaks for those who identify with a far left political agenda. So my question is, do you think the leaders of the march simply view women as a monolithic group? Um, well, I think they they uh, probably do view women as a monolithic group who all uh, share their opinions. Um, but, of course, we know that women are not a monolithic group, uh, although I, th- I think probably the women who are coming to the march may, may really be monolithic. They all agree on certain goals. They all believe that women are victims, as I said, and they all believe in more government programs. And, look, Trump is a real threat to this point of view, and that's why they just can't accept it. You know, uh, when Obama was elected, when President Obama was elected, a lot of us were terribly uh, disappointed because we thought his policies would be bad. We were right. And I've got to say, I, I, I'm glad to say none of us tried to tried to turn his inauguration into into just a mess and a disaster. I applaud the right of these people to protest. Bravo for protesting. But I think there is an is an attempt to turn this this great democratic ritual into a disaster. And I really think that's a sad commentary on uh, on real diversity in this country. You know, IWS has written extensively on just how diverse women really are. Can you talk a little bit about why the monolithic female vote is a myth? Absolutely. Um, well, let's just, just talk about the vote and not women's opinions to begin with. The women's vote always breaks down in very interesting ways, and it's anything but monolithic. Now, unmarried women tend to vote Democratic, and this is one reason that the Democrats are always in favor of expanding uh, government. Single women, especially those women, and and we sympathize with them, who are struggling to raise children alone, want a safety net. Now, IWF has tried over the years, and we will continue to try, and we're making some progress to show that a government safety net is not the right way to go and that it often leads to intergenerational dependence on government. But unmarried women are still the Democratic Party's most crucial uh, constituency. Think of the Obama campaign's infomercial Life of Julia. It portrayed the life of a woman whose experience uh, of life was cradle-to-grave government dependency. And the underlying assumption was, hey, this is a good thing. We need to enlarge programs uh, and make women more dependent. Now, married women uh, tend to vote more Republican. Uh, there was talk in this 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 year's uh, and last year's How Time Flies campaign that college-educated women would vote for Clinton by such large margins that Trump would be doomed. This didn't happen. Forty-five percent of college-educated women voted for Trump. This really flummoxed the mainstream media. The New York Times did a big spread. Why did college-educated women vote for Trump? Well, they voted for Trump because they liked their policies and because Obama has made a mess. Uh, the Times just uh, could, couldn't fathom this, though. It, it was a mystery to them. They sent reporters out to interview women, and they still didn't quite figure it out. So, But no, it's not a monolith. Women, women vote Republican. Uh, as I said, 4 in 10 voted for Trump. 45% of college-educated women voted for Trump. And a larger portion of women who don't have college degrees, which, by the way, I think points to what an elitist group these marchers are. They represent the bi-coastal elites, the people who are most disappointed, uh, and disappointed is a mild w- word, uh, that Obama's 
handpicked successor didn't win. I know my friends who are coming are all people who would very much uh, self-identify with the Northeastern elite or the coastal elite. Oh, sure. You know, and it's true, you know, as you mentioned, that in the last election that, that Hillary Clinton, she did win the female vote overall. Um, and as you pointed out earlier, uh, four out of every 10 women, though, still voted for Donald Trump. And, you know, that's still a, a, a large chunk of the vote. And I think it's, you know, very fair to say that their voices should matter, too. So, you know, I'd love to get your take on why you think these women cast their vote for Trump and not for Clinton. You know, why didn't Clinton's message resonate with women in the way that the left assumed that it would? Um, only if one believes, as Mrs. Clinton certainly did, uh, that gender would be the determinant factor in deciding one's vote. Uh, would, would you wonder why so many women voted for Trump? I mean, why on earth would they not vote for Trump instead of Clinton? Vote for me, I'm a woman. It turned out to be a big old loser of, of an idea behind a campaign. I think young women um, see that women have opportunities. They know that the sky not the glass ceiling, is the limit for them. Uh, and I think they find uh, Hillary's me message outdated, obsolete. It's grievance feminism. They know that women are doing well, uh, and, and they know that they don't, don't need Hillary to, to uh, institute more government programs. Remember Madeleine Albright, who, who was uh, Secretary of State, said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help women. Well, obviously... And she meant women who don't vote for Hillary. Obviously, a lot of women uh, rejected that. Um, they didn't vote for their body parts, as uh, an Obama a campaign uh, ad suggested years ago. Uh, if they had voted for their body parts, Hillary would be president. She is not. I think women reacted to the fact that uh, the economy's in trouble. We want a thriving economy. America's not respected abroad. We want to be respected abroad. We want, we want the world to be in better shape. So I'm not at all mystified uh, that, that women did, didn't put, put Hillary in the White House. Um, IWF's own Lisa Schifrin, a senior fellow of, of ours, wrote a piece early on which was considered quite daring. Uh, it was in the New York Observer. Uh, obviously, uh, Jared Kushner owned this paper. Uh, he's Trump's son-in-law, but it was considered a daring piece because basically Lisa said young women wouldn't wouldn't put Hillary in the White House because uh, they regarded her as, as a as a person of the past. And I think that kind of grievance feminism uh, is something of the past, and we need to concentrate on the wonderful opportunities that women have in taking advantage of them. That's really interesting, you know, and. Going back to um, Madeleine Albright's comment during the Democratic presidential uh, primary, you know, when she said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other, um, you know, I think that really affirms that, you know, um, so many on the left um, really just expected that women would simply vote for Hillary Clinton just because of the fact that she is a woman. And this really fails to take into account how most women really assess the candidates and, and how they decide, you know, who's ultimately going to get their vote. Um, you know, I think we could probably talk about this all day. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, it, but, you know Heather, have... it assumes, it assumes we, we were going to vote on our gender. How absurd and how demeaning for us. We vote intellectually. We women. Exactly. 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 You know, it, it, it does lead me to another question, Charlotte. Um, it, it seems to me 
like the marches leaders and all maybe all leftist uh, feminists for that matter are so committed to this idea that that women should always agree with and adhere to their view of the world that when they do um, encounter women with different perspectives and uh, different political ideologies then their answer is to simply reject them do you think it's wise for these groups to uh, just dismiss those who disagree with them. And do you think that mainstream women, you know, the ones that you see in the grocery store, for example, that you talked about earlier, do you think they're going to be eager to join this movement um, on Saturday? Or do you think this whole event is, is likely to turn them off? Uh, well, obviously, it's never wise to reject off the bat people who disagree with you, and I think these these people do that. Look, I think this march, and I I, I certainly want to uh, stress that I, I, I support the right to hold this march, uh, but I think the march itself is just part of the left's emotional breakdown, emotional meltdown, really, over losing uh, the presidency. Marches are sometimes extremely successful in turning public opinion, and sometimes not. The anti-Vietnam marches, for example, uh, were profoundly successful. They really forced America to pull out of Vietnam and lose the war. On the other hand, some movements that take to the streets um, turn people off. Um, I'm thinking really of of, uh, of of Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter, beloved of Democrats. Uh, these movements, I think, send a lot of ordinary voters to Donald Trump. Um, I will say I don't expect the march, uh, I don't by any means expect the march to be uh, – is is violent or 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 as hostile as Occupy and Black Lives Matter, but I do expect them to be smug and intellectually monolithic. So I think on this one we just have to wait and see. Uh, we have to watch how it plays out to determine whether or not it will be successful. Um, just one more thing, Heather. A, a lot of these women are really smug. Uh, you you sort of hinted at that. They never dreamed that other women, intelligent women, could disagree with them. Heather, that's not attractive, and it may not help them. I, I predict that it that uh, I predict that the marches will be really good for Donald Trump. But that's just a prediction. We need to wait and see. Oh sure, and you know I think uh, it's going to be an interesting four years. Um, you know I think we're all eager to witness what's in store with this incoming administration, Charlotte. Okay, everyone. Well, this has been another edition of IWS Working for Women podcast. Thank you, Charlotte, for being our guest today. To our listeners, if you're me. interested, of course. And if you're um, to our listeners, if you are interested in learning more about the march, then you can find Carrie's Acculturated and National Review articles on IWS.org. And if the Women's March on Washington doesn't speak for you, I'd highly encourage you to go and check out the website for IWS sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, by visiting iwvoice.org and check out our petition there to show that you stand for all women. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.